0: We have time, and then, I don't know about next week, Anna Marr is going to be teaching next week. It's going to be awesome. Ooh, yeah, woo, woo. And then the next week we'll be wrapping it up here and then going over to the Christmas party. But one of the things, and I loved everything we were just singing, and I was really identifying, um, you know, it feels like there's a lot of shaking going on. Yeah. Doesn't it? Yes. Like It feels like there's just, and I've just, I've talked to so many people, and even people who've never really struggled with this before, are experiencing a lot of um, anxiety and depression and despair and it's like I can see the enemy like it's like it's a mirage but it seems very real it's like he's in front of us just trying so hard to like distract us and push us back and we talked about it last week in the with the voice of accusation we're gonna talk about that a little bit more um, today but then when we were singing that and it's so true and everything that Derek is saying is so true and it reminds me it's like you know, Jesus makes the darkness tremble. And there's this verse in Isaiah, and it's talking about the enemy. It's talking about Satan when he's cast down. And I love it. Isaiah 14 and in verse 16, talking about Satan, it says, Those who see you will stare at you and ponder over you. Is this the man who made the earth tremble and shook kingdoms? You know, I'm going to attempt to, which is why I have all my notebooks here. Today, to begin to tie in what we've been doing this semester with some more mindset stuff and some of the brain science stuff. Because if I'm just teaching something here and we're talking about this and it all sounds good, it's just a theory if I don't put it into practical use. Right? If I don't do something with it, knowledge puffs up. It just, okay, great, I know more. But what am I doing with it? It's like even lately, Joey has to keep reminding me because I just, my body isn't really catching up yet as fast as I would like it and so some of the words out of my mouth are kind of negative and Joey's like Kelly you teach this stuff, you teach mindset shift your mindset and I'm like because if I don't start myself, it's great I can get up here and teach it but if I cannot, if I do not start saying it out of my mouth practicing it, changing my thought pattern, digging a new neural pathway, for me it's still just a good theory and that's not what we want We actually are having our lives transformed. So my life is being transformed as I put into practical use that which my mind is taking in and my mind is being made new Mm -hmm. and my mind is telling my brain what to do and what my default mode will be. So we're gonna get to that in just a little bit, but so we're gonna look at him and it's gonna be like, seriously, you're the worm? He's this big. And we make him this big when we focus on what I give my attention to and what my focus is on will grow it's just a principle when I'm focusing on the negative when all I can think about is how bad I feel when I only think about how much pain I'm in and all of that focus well guess what my pain is growing exponentially because it is a principle that works when I begin to change and focus on you know what i feel so much better than i did yesterday my my knee is so much stronger i am in good health jesus has been rapidly healing me and restoring me when i am focusing can't you even feel the shift in the frequency waves like the negative and the positive when that is my focus that thing will grow Mm -hmm. what you focus on will grow what you feed will grow so we he is this big and we make him this big we magnify him when we just I'm not saying deny your situation. That's so stupid. You know, it's like when I first came into the things of God or, or faith, you know, it was like if somebody was diagnosed with cancer, I don't have cancer. I don't have cancer. Yeah. I don't, you know, like as that's going to be the not a negative confession, but a positive confession. Well, the, tr- the, the blood draw shows or whatever shows that. But the truth, the overriding truth with a capital T is that Jesus purchased that on the cross for you. So cancer is not your destiny. So I'm not denying circumstances, but I'm not just talking about the problem, what the enemy's doing. That's magnifying him. That's making him big. He's this big. So what I, oh, I wanted to read this. So is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms? And then Hebrews 12, verse 27. No, verse 28. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So what we have been given, what we have received as our inheritance, cannot be taken from us. It cannot be shaken. Everything in the kingdom realm, All of your inheritance, we talked about, we we started out in the wilderness, and we talked about you have been given an inheritance in Christ. All spiritual blessings, spiritual inheritance is yours through what Jesus purchased on the cross. And you wrote down in your journal some things that you know by promise. Like Michelle said, I am believing for and have been hoping and contending for some promises. And what happens in the waiting sometimes is when the enemy does this in front of you, like, yeah, not going to happen. See? See what's going on over here? That whole thing is an attempt to push us back and make us shrink back in believing that those things are going to actually happen, right? But the truth is, is that we have been given an eternal inheritance that is laid up for us in heaven, being kept and held there by God himself. So this part down here, when we are learning to access our inheritance, when we are learning in the wilderness, it's not just about me taking spool in the wilderness. The wilderness has been training my ear to hear. I read a Leonard Ravenhill quote. I don't know where I wrote it down. Oh, it says, A man who is intimate with God will never be intimidated with man. The enemy is all about intimidation. He uses intimidation, accusation, fear to rob you, to steal your joy, to steal your peace, to steal your inheritance here. But a man who is intimate with God will never be intimidated with man. The wilderness is all about intimacy with God. It has been all about learning to hear his voice, the nuances of his voice, how he speaks. And you might you hear him in a totally different language and way than I do. That's why I love the prophetic in here. And when people give a prophetic word, I love listening to their delivery because it's so flavored with them, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like so given in the way God speaks to them and the way they hear and then the way they give it to you. The way you hear and I hear is different. But the wilderness time, and it's not, and we we talked about redefining it. It has not been about just barely making it and getting by and hoping to get on the other side. No, in the wilderness, we are taking big fat spoil because every time I discover a new Part of God's nature and character and who he wants to be for me in this season is just making me that much fatter and richer, and you cannot take that away from me. It's like we sang about the faithfulness of God. I, one of my favorite scriptures is Psalm 37, verse 2. It says, delight in the Lord. I can't even quote it now. But it says, feed on his... Oh, my gosh, that's so sad. <laughs> Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So in the wilderness, I am feeding on God's faithfulness. I'm so reminded he has always been faithful to me. Every time I start to think, you know what, and I'm listening to this voice of intimidation or accusation that God's not going to come through for you. He did for them. It worked for them in this area, but it's not going to for you. I get to go, yeah, no, no, no. God has always been faithful to me. He does not know how to not be faithful because he cannot deny himself. The nature of God is faithful. He is full of faith. He's fully persuaded about you. He's fully persuaded about everything that he has spoken over you, every promise he has given to you. I can sit there and preach that stuff to myself all day long, and sometimes when those voices come, it doesn't feel true, right? I'm going... I don't know, yeah, but. You know? But I'm telling you the truth with a capital T is that he is faithful. He does fulfill his promises. He will fulfill his promises to you and to me. And in this time of waiting and in a wilderness season, it's all about my relational connection with him. It's my relational connection with Father. You know what? If my kids just ran to me all the time for what they could get, I, I would feel a little used. Like, I want my kids to want to be with me. I love when my kids will just call just to say, I just want to check in on you, and see how you're doing. Not to say, hey, can you do this for me? Or That's fine because a, a good parent, I want to do things for my children. But you know what I'm saying? So in this season with the father, I am learning to just be near to him because he has drawn himself near to me. And I just want to get to know what is on his heart. What are you doing right now in this season? What are you saying? And then hopefully, if y'all had been taking notes each week, it's kind of like, what is the predominant thing that he is speaking to you right now? What is the promise you're contending for? What are some of the calls on your life or some of the things you know he's spoken you're going to do that you haven't yet stepped into? We wrote that down one week. Um, We made some powerful declarations where we got in, in agreement with each other and we agreed and declared over each other, right? Because sometimes a declaration needs to be made for that thing to happen. So at the end of this today, I would love just to hear maybe just a couple of testimonies and then not next week, but the next week, um, I would like to do that again. Just if there's one thing that, that stood out, you felt like, okay, this is what we did. We sat down here and this was this promise and, and this is what God did. We're going to do that at the end. So hopefully we have 10 minutes, okay? All right. Um, so... Trying to take it into some brain science realm. Um, we talked about accusation last week. Uh, hmm. Accusation. Um, accusation is the one of the first things that spoke up in the garden when Adam and Eve and God planted two, two trees in the garden. He planted many trees in the garden. He planted two trees, though, the tree of life, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, in the very middle of the garden. And he gave Adam and Eve a choice. Your power to choose the will that God gave you And your power to choose choice is actually the most powerful creative tool in the universe outside of God. That God has given us, he has made our brains in such a way that I have the ability to make choices. Actually, my life, the habits I do, my behavior is all many, many, many choices I make every single day, even if they don't feel like choices. Okay? We're going to talk about that in a little bit. So when God puts two trees and he tells them that of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat from this tree, lest you die. So what does the enemy come along and say to, to, to Adam and Eve first? Surely, you won't die. Surely you're not going to die, right? Did God really say? It's just that one little question. that And... and, and, and when we think of accusation, we might think of a direct assault, a confronting thing, but accusation just has to be a slimy, slippery little question of doubt. Yeah. It's the insidious nature of doubt. In the, in the Greek word for doubt, um, there's a word dia, which is a preposition for union, and then crino. And crino means to separate, to put asunder, <coughs> to make an opinion, or make a judgment in a trial of law so that doubt when that comes in and I feel like that's what's been happening a lot when I talk to people it's that they they've all of a sudden feeling a little shaken like the ground is a little bit shaky under their feet because the insidious nature of doubt has come in and caused them to question God themselves the word their situation right so when accusation comes in, did God really say, you know, it, did God really tell you that all of your children are going to be taught by the Lord and great shall be their peace? Did he really tell you that? Is it working out for you? Did God really tell you that he's going to heal your body? You know, all of those questions. When I am firm in my faith and I have been, like, I am confessing out of my mouth, this is who God says I am, this is who God is to me, when, like, the atmosphere shifted by the end of worship, did you feel it? We're declaring who God is, we're, like, declaring that Jesus makes the darkness tremble, and all of a sudden we're like, oh, yeah, that's right, darkness tremble, you know, like, right? You just kind of want to go on and take out the world, take on the world. It's because when I am speaking out of my mouth, in agreement, in harmony with what heaven says, that thing has a very powerful frequency that everything within me is built to respond to and resonate with. When God spoke the breath of life into Adam, Adam became a living being. That breath is the very thing that causes you and I to live. We are meant to live by the breath of God. We are meant to respond to his voice. So I am actually acting outside of my character and nature when I am responding to the negative. When I am acting in fear, when I am talking fear, when I am talking guilt, when I am talking condemnation, I am actually violating the nature that God has given me. Do you, do you see that? Yes. yes. When it says that... That in the image of God, he made them male and female. He made them. And he gave them dominion. He took, told them to go and take territory and fill the earth and subdue the earth. That, that we have been made in the image of creator God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in that Western mindset says that's a hierarchy, right? There's a boss, and you're just going to like to submit. But the Eastern philosophy, Eastern thought was they see them in a circle, at a round father God, Holy Spirit and Jesus are sitting at a round circle, co-sharing, co-creating, co-delighting in each other, mutual affection, mutual adoration. The circle of the Trinity is the image that we have been created into. Everything that's true of them is true of us. So when I begin to speak out of and act out of something absolutely contrary to that, I'm actually violating design, the original design. Does that make sense? Yes. It's the reason it feels so gucky You know how sometimes you just want to have a pity party, and it's okay for a minute or so, and you're just going on and on about, you know, this, and I'm feeling good about it. I'm going to ten minutes. I'm going to have a railing session today like this and this and this and this. But it actually feels kind of gross by the end of it. I'm, he feels slimed. I feel slimed. You know. Sometimes we just need it, but it's. And it is because we're not. Congruous and in harmony with ourselves, with God, with the words that we're supposed to be speaking and the words that are actually going to produce something. Because your words do create worlds. And the thoughts that I am thinking produce words that I am going to speak. And the words that I am predominantly speaking and thoughts I'm predominantly thinking are building a life for me. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the reasons I'm so interested in this in brain science and in mindset stuff is because being in the inner healing and deliverance ministry for years and doing that for years i was always perplexed by you know some people would get freedom and healing and just go on live it and other people seem to be coming back for the exact same issue time and time again the same issue the same issue the same issue and i realized it's because they had not changed their mindset in that way, in that realm. It's an old pattern of behavior. It's wounded behavior. And so if I do not go get the prayer for healing and deliverance and then identify, see, God has made us with the ability to stand outside of ourselves and observe our thoughts. I can stand outside of myself and I can observe my thinking and see where is the faulty thinking going on in there where's the, where's it skewed and where i find that and identify that i need to replace that thought with another one a truer thought the truth and when i do that time and time again i am digging a new neuro pathway a new fault line that i can live from instead of so easily falling back into my default of the old pattern of wounded behavior okay. that is such it, and that takes work it just does mm-hmm. i mean it is a it is a process of learning to change our thoughts our minds our behavior let me read it i wanted to read it and oh, i probably lost it i wanted to read it in the um i did lose it but i can find it 2 Corinthians, turn to 2 Corinthians 10. I'm reading it in the Passion. Are y'all following me? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, turn to 2 Corinthians 10. And I'm going to start reading in verse 3. For although we live in the natural realm, we don't wage a military campaign employing a huge... Employing human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aims. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide, or your ESV says strongholds. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture, like prisoners of war, every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. Since we are armed with such dynamic weaponry, we stand ready to punish any trace of rebellion as soon as you choose complete obedience. In the footnotes, it says, um, The prisoners held captive are faulty patterns of thought that defy God's authority. So the strongholds are the, here it says, the defenses in which people hide. Strongholds are defenses where people hide. And that's what victims do. Mm -hmm. They hide behind a defense that they've built. They hide behind this faulty pattern of thought that don't you dare come against it. you know? Like, this is what hills do. This is how we've always been. This is how we respond in situations like this. And when people come against that and that's threatened, that's super scary. You know? To be presented with another set of truths and make the choice. It says, if you choose, as soon as you choose, complete obedience. And I know that people don't like this, but, you know, it says that Jesus um, suffered as a son. He learned obedience through what he suffered as a son. And the wilderness, yes, being all about hearing God's voice and learning his voice, but if I don't choose to obey his voice, I'm deceived. Like, if I don't choose to do what he said, I love it, and I don't know how to find it in here. I think it's under the, um, it's in the Passion. It is submitting to the authority of his voice that's what obedience is. Obedience is submitting to the authority of what God has said. And if I will submit myself to the, under the authority of what God has spoken, he is going to, I mean, I have all of heaven's resources are backing me up in that. But I'm deceived if I choose to live from an old faulty pattern of thought that is just going to attract more like to it which is more like wounding, which is more disobedience, which is actually going to be a lot of rotten fruit. Right? So <coughs> so, the, so when we are learning to get a new thought, let's look at it real, real quick, just the reference for it in Romans, and then we're going to talk about it. Uh, Twelve, Romans 12 in the Passion. Beloved friends, starting verse one. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God, to be his sacred living sacrifices, and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life. I like in the ESV, actually, in that one, just ha- um, where it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, his good and perfect will. And so all of this, so we talked about last week, I think we did it last week, Um, Let me see if we do. Yeah, we did. We talked about it last week. That the realm that we're living in, where all of this is happening, where prayer and dialogue with the Father is happening, where the accuser is coming at us, it is all happening right here. Right here. You know, it's in my mind, and we read Hebrews 12, we're not going to today for the sake of it, but it talked about this is the realm that we've come to, the Zion realm, and these are the voices that are speaking. And it's like a little mini courtroom all the time that goes on in my mind. Um, I didn't mention this last week, but I just thought of it this morning. Remember when um, Jesus told Peter, he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked, Satan has demanded, Satan has demanded you that you be sifted like wheat. Do you remember that? So he what's he describing? He's describing this like courtroom session where Satan has come in and he's demanded that he wants Peter. But but Jesus says, But I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And when you do turn, go and help your brothers. Is that not so awesome? So what he's saying is so you know how we say we overcome by the power of the blood and the word of our testimony? The verdict has been laid down. We win. Jesus' blood continually speaks on your behalf, and it speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Jesus' Jesus' blood is crying up for me and for you night and day in this courtroom arena. And so when Satan comes and asks to sift you, and I looked up that word sift, Lord knows where I wrote it down in all my notes here. (laughs) I need it though. Shoot. Sift. Well, it doesn't matter. Look it up. Sift. I'm going to find it. Sift. Sift. To sift or shake in a sieve. That's so obvious. By inward agitation, to try one's faith in an attempt to overthrow. So, but what I love about it, but when Jesus says, But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And he then knows that Peter will turn. He says, and when you do turn, go and encourage your brothers. Jesus is constantly interceding for us. The intercession of heaven, Jesus is constantly praying for us. And he knows that his faith that he's given to you will not fail. So what I am saying out of my mouth that's so important, that it is in alignment with what Jesus is praying and saying That's what's defeating every accusation and spirit of fear and intimidation that's coming against me. What did Peter do, remember? So he tells him, you know, you're going to deny me three times. Did he? Yeah. Was he kicked out of heaven? Was he like totally? No. Did Jesus go back and restore him? Yes. And he turned up to be the super, like, apostle who built the church. So when I... And picturing this little courtroom dialogue where the enemy's coming at me going, Hey, Kelly, you're such an idiot. I can't believe you did that yesterday. No one now will listen to you. You have zero authority to speak. When I am listening to that, number one, Jesus is my advocate, which literally means attorney. Number two, I get to say out of my mouth who God has declared me to be and who God is on my behalf. And it silences him every time. And as we're learning to live from this place, this is exactly a new neuropathway, a new stronghold, if you will, that we get to live from. So I want to just remind us a little bit what that is. And I do want to finish in just a few minutes because I'd like to get some testimonies. Um, okay. let start Wildernesses. as I have been taking spoil part of the taking the spoil is that I'm being so settled in who God has made me to be and who he's not made me to be and I don't really care anymore about certain things pleasing man you know like I don't really feel like I have to sing and dance to make you like me where I grew up with for a lot of my years that was super important you know fear of man's a biggie There's some things that just don't have my attention anymore. So in that place, it's my identity is getting so solidified. Um, I don't think because of one screw up, I've completely made null and void everything that I've ever said or done. Do y'all know what I mean? Uh, Where that condemning voice just comes like, yeah, well, your kids are never going to trust you again because, you know, no. So in the wilderness, identity is being built. Identity runs in the fast track of your brain. Identity being this is who I am and this is what it is to be me. Group identity is this is what it is to be us. This is what it looks like, this is how we sound, this is how we act. That runs in the fast track part of our brain which runs 200 times faster than the front part of my brain which involves choice. So if you remember when we studied it last year, um, the front part of my brain is gray matter and I make it's where I choose to solve problems I am uh, solving math equations I'm doing paint by numbers one two three and that is slow deliberate choice which I have to do that and when I'm going to change a thought a faulty thought structure, I have to choose to arrest that faulty thought which is um, you're an idiot no one likes you I mean you know it, or it's you've completely um, cut yourself off from having any right to teach anymore because you called that lady an idiot, which I didn't, but you know what I'm saying. (laughs) So that faulty thought structure that I just always go by, I'm like, yep, I'm condemned. Yep, I'm guilty. Yes, I am, you know, feeling completely attacked and live from that defeated victim place. I have to choose to arrest it, and I'll choose to do it to think on a new thought. No, you're accepted and loved. No, you don't have to perform. No, you don't have to... Um, get them to like you by seeing and dancing. When I'm doing that by choice, it's deliberate. If I'll do that for over 30 days, eventually it's moved into the back part of my brain, which is the white matter, which runs 200 times faster. It's the putting toothpaste on your, it's brushing your teeth. You don't even have to think about it anymore. You literally can just be thinking about all kinds of other things and putting toothpaste on your toothbrush and brushing away, right? Yeah. And while you're brushing your teeth, or driving your car from the grocery store to home, what happens? All the space is freed up to think, right? Creative thoughts. That's a break. That place we really need to be able to live from. Like, that's the creative place. That's where our spirit man is so attuned with God. And I think I'm daydreaming and having really random thoughts, but no, I'm actually entering into this creative realm where. God and I are sinking, and this creative thing that's happening, and inspiration that's happening, we're supposed to be able to really live there. The problem is, I, and I didn't write all this part yet, but I was reading some statistics. What are the statistics? Um, from 18 to age 77, the amount of people who they did a study where they were going to have them sit alone, just sit alone with their thoughts for 16 minutes without scrolling. You know how we just scroll on Instagram and Facebook? And when we just scroll on Instagram and Facebook, our brain is not able to be at rest. Our brain isn't able to go into creative inspiration and ideas because we're constantly on overload. And so they, ha- they took away their phone. They took away everything, music, completely unplugged. And almost every one of them would rather have shocked themselves or did this rubber band thing, actually experience pain rather than sit alone with their own thoughts because we're so stressed so when we are not able to tap into that place of creative inspiration and creativity and a brain at rest um, on a daily basis when we stay so hyped up it's what causes the body to get its stress the brain to be at stress to have mental health issues physical health issues and disease is that not scary? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so in looking at all this, I'm so convinced like we have to be able to look at this whole the word, look at renewing our mind and having our life transformed and building new thought patterns, that it really is a matter of moving into mental health, physical health. It's it's living from a powerful position not a defeated position not a victim position and all of that's taking place right here am i making sense trying to tie these together okay i am to me but (laughs) so yeah identity operates 200 times faster oh that the brain also in order to free up brain space it chunks things into habits so the reason So that's a good thing. So habits are, unless it's a bad thing, right? Unless it's a bad habit. So if I will fellowship with the Holy Spirit, if I dialogue with Holy Spirit, and over time and having that place, that new neuropathway dug, it is then going to be a powerful stronghold. It's why I can say God has always been faithful to me. He's never been anything else. You can't take that from me. It is my inheritance. I do live from that place. I know that. That's a deep, strong neuropathway. Those are the ones we, those are the healthy ones. Those are the good ones that we want to build. It's the other ones. Um, I can't think of, what's, an, like, name some, name, like, a, a common, you know. A fear of sickness. Don't yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. are going get sick. Yeah. A symptom arises and the first thought is. Well, I've got cancer. cancer. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you know, that. Well, I have a disease. I have I a have yeah. blockage. I have, you know, so. Yeah. Default. So that is going to have, there's going to have to be some conscious choice to move it into the non-conscious, like that's not even a thought in my mind anymore, right? So we're going to look at and do, so, and I know, I'm sorry we haven't done the um, Lego thing, but it turns out Legos are really expensive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And now there's a lot of people in here. So for every person to have a pile of Legos in front of you and build that and do that, but I want to find a way. I'm going to keep looking for them. If you have any, bring them. Kat, you got Legos? Yeah, I need Legos. I know, and I would give yeah, them back to you. I keep them separate, little ones, you know, to build models. Because when you're manipulating and doing that, you do free up and start to access the creative side of your brain. And then we're going to ad- address some heart issues that cause you to see it in a way you wouldn't have seen it before. I was just going to say the whole creativity thing. because You know that I have a little crisis with my blood pressure with all the anxiety for us. Yeah. See? Yep. Yeah. And let me say this too because I so used to. to help well, I told you you're coming to mine first. No, you're coming to mine. But that's so true. For years, I used to be an interior decorator and I would decorate, and I thought it was worldly. Like, that was my separate thinking of. This is the, the spiritual Kelly who teaches Bible study, and then this is the worldly Kelly who likes cool fabric and antiques, you know? No, like that, you're, we're, you're living from a God spot there, you know? Creativity that just, yeah, so important. And we're all creative. I know, I already told her. I commented, I was like, come do mine. Joey said, Kelly, please don't put the snow table up this year. And I was like, I, I like the, the snow top. table just because you said that I would too I wanted to say this too and remind you remember we talked about last year that there's this when, when somebody speaks a condemning word over you or somebody speaks something to you that hurts or that might sound or feel true and you're like oh there's a 48 hour window where you get to choose what to do with that thought like, it, thoughts have energy, words have energy. So that energy that's flowing, you have a 48-hour window to decide if you're going to take that thing in and tr- as truth and adopt it or not. And it's why we can cast down, did we read that scripture? Yeah, we did. We read in the passion. it just sounded differently. It's why we can cast down everything that does not exalt the true knowledge of God. I liked the study that I read. It was about speaking in tongues, and it was talking about Fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit—it was kind of like about that communing with Him, and I wonder if I should read it. Well, I can't. Nope, it wasn't about the different religions. It was talking about what's happening. It was a brain study Univers- at, the, um, at the University of Pennsylvania. They studied brain activity with a group of people speaking in tongues and a group of people singing gospel songs. And it, when they were sing- when they were praying in tongues. Um, it showed decreased activity in this frontal lobe I've been telling you about, which is conscious thought, choosing. Okay? It showed a decreased activity in the frontal lobe um, where choice and control, it's the language center, and the language centers in the front of the brain were not activated when speaking in tongues, but they were when singing gospel songs. Thinking, choosing, choice. Speaking in tongues reflected a complex pattern of brain activity. The region of the brain that showed increased activity is the part of the brain that takes sensory information and tries to make sense of self and how you relate to the rest of the world, which is identity. Speaking in tongues involves a relinquishing of control while gaining a very intense experience of how the self relates to God. So have you ever, the other thing, it's like they had them, you can pray in tongues and you can read because you're using your conscious thought Processor to read and praying in tongues is engaging the non-conscious thought. It's the creative expression. It's where you're relating to yourself, you're relating to God, and you're relating to others. So that's why in first I'm totally on a change it now, but we'll go with it. That's why in First Corinthians 14, I'll read it in the Passion. I don't know how it says in the Passion. Um verse four. When someone prophesies, he speaks to encourage people to build them up Mm -hmm. and to bring them comfort. The one who speaks in tongues advances his own spiritual. No, I like it in the ESV better. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that one, but I mean, builds up, up, yeah. 1 Corinthians 14. Prophesy speaks to build up people for their upbuilding encouragement and consolation the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself if you look at verse 13 therefore he who speaks in a tongue should pray for the power to interpret if I pray in a tongue my spirit prays but my mind is unfruitful what am I to do I'll pray with my spirit but I'll also pray with my mind I just think that's very interesting and fascinating. It's why when you're dialoguing with Holy Spirit and if you're praying in tongues, you are accessing this identity portion of your brain, which is your fast track processor. Isn't that awesome? It's why praying in tongues is such an important exercise to build our spirit man up. When I first got filled with the Spirit many, many years ago, I would have crazy dreams every night that God literally was to appear to me and speak to me. It was, And I would get up in the morning and journal like crazy. And it went on for so long, that finally I was like, like what's up? Why am I hearing from you so clearly at night, but in the day... I'm not like I don't get the same kind of revelation and he said because when you're asleep your spirit is engaged and accessing it's not all the other noise isn't going on so I can speak so clearly to you and you hear me during the day you got a lot of distractions but if I will learn how to engage with Holy Spirit my identity portion of of myself then that identity portion is going to be so built up on the truth of who he says and what he's saying, and those distractions and the noise is not going to vie for my attention as much. It's like a really powerful thing. And I think there's so much misconception about the whole thing. You know, it's like people think, well, you have to, you know, sign that you've been filled with the Spirit. You know, all of that stuff, I think, is um, used as a distraction and a hindrance for people rather than for what Holy Spirit what what he really intends for it to be, which is really a beautiful thing to build up the identity, build you up, who you are, who he's created you to be. Okay, because I said I would stop, I'm going to stop. And I'm going to do a better job um, the last week of tying these two things together. Um, But let me just make sure I didn't want to say anything else. No. I don't think so. No, this is good. So as we shift as we're kind of kind of move into more of this practicing, I want you to like look at your journal over the last months, look at some patterns like patterns that this is the same thing that I'm contending for or going after and these are the same promises and all of that stuff. And then I would begin to actively see yourself partnering with Holy Spirit in going after that thing by digging a neural pathway by actually accessing your mind and holy spirit and his word as you craft like either it's a declaration you're making it's a it's a crafted prayer like we talked about last week that graham cook teaches on um to see that thing shift you know so in saying that who has quick testimony. When I say testimony, I mean like testimony is like super concise. We don't have to hear everything like from childhood. We don't need to know all the background story. It's just, this is the issue. This is what God said. This is the testimony. This is what's happened. It's also, it's not a teaching. It's just a good, powerful, concise.